I love this passage here. This is written by the Apostle Paul of the Church of Philippi. Paul was the, I believe, the greatest Christian of the New Testament era. He was an amazing man. I had a curriculum published this spring that I wrote for Striving Together on the life of the Apostle Paul. I had one request. I don't do design or anything. I said, just put it at the top. Paul said this, follow me as I follow Christ. Is that not incredible? Just a few little statements like that. Abraham, a friend of God. Amazing. Enoch, he walked with God. Amazing. But beginning in verse 9 of chapter number 3 of Philippians. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Listen now. That I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. This is a guy who wrote half the New Testament. Who seemingly was always faithful. He said, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Uh, just amazing. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I'm apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'd like to speak tonight on the subject of living on purpose. Living on purpose. We live in a world where people are aimless. We're just, Bible talks about being tossed about by every wind of doctrine. Hither and yon. We need some people who will press toward the mark. Let's ask the Lord to help us these next few minutes. Lord, I pray you'll be with us in these next 15 or so minutes. I pray that these five principles I'm going to share will be a help. I pray you'll help us not only to be hearers of your word, but to be doers as well. Lord, I ask that you help me to be a doer as well. Lord, I pray you bless these folks who are coming out on a Friday night. I know they changed their schedule to do this. But I believe that it encourages you and it encourages pastor and it certainly encourages me. And I believe that what's going on right here in this place right now in Whitehall is much more important than anything on television tonight because this matters for eternity. Lord, I acknowledge publicly that in this as in all other things, I need your help. I thank you for the safety of the summer for all of our groups. I thank you for the blessings of seeing people get saved and people apply to the college. Right now, Lord, I pray you'll work in our hearts so that we might be a little bit closer to being the Christian you saved us to be. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I thank you for standing. I was doing a little quiz on the internet a night or two ago. Do you know these people? And uh, I've taught history for 42 years, so I didn't get them all right. I got 51 out of 53 right. But one of the people that was on there... You've heard his name. He wrote a very famous story called The Old Man of the Sea. Anybody know who that was? Ernest Hemingway. Some people think he's one of America's greatest writers. I don't know. I don't know if I'd put him with Melville or Twain or some others, but he's certainly a very famous one. He won the Pulitzer Prize. He won the Nobel Prize. He fought World War I in Italy. 
He was wounded for his country. I respect that. In World War II, he took his fishing boat and armed it and began to look for U-boats. <laughs> Probably fortunately for him, he didn't find any. He was a big game hunter and certainly a big fish fisherman for the marlin and the spoonbills and things like that. Yet, he was married four times. He was an alcoholic. At the end of his life, he said, mankind is nothing more than a bunch of ants on the end of a burning log. And he blew his own brains out with his own shotgun. He pulled the trigger with his toe. I'll just say this. God's way is a better way. I compare him, this futile, empty end to a life. Seemingly nothing to live for. The Apostle Paul, who said this in Philippians 3, verse 13, this one thing I do. And the one thing that Paul wanted to do was to honor, to glorify, and to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. What a challenge to us today. Tonight I want to share five things with you, and I know what time it is. It's 7.30. Usually you're out at 7.30. I'll tell you when Henry VIII told all six of his wives, I won't keep you long. Okay, so do not worry. But I do believe that what we're about to share is extremely important. The first thing we see here tonight is the motivation. How do we find purpose in our life? Paul had a motivation in his life. We find this in Philippians 3, verse 10, that I may know him. My wife is here with me tonight. We've married 42 years. She's in the nursery, so Tressa could get a little break. I know a lot about my wife. We've been married 42 years. We dated for 14 months before that. If we go for a hamburger somewhere, I know exactly what she wants. Cheese, tomato, onion, and just regular mustard. Not gray poupon, just yellow mustard. That's all she wants. She's had her hamburgers the same way for the 43 years I've been with her. I know that she likes to be warm and not cold. I know she doesn't like me to tickle her. She has naturally curly hair, Tressa. She doesn't want me fooling with her hair either. Okay? How do I know that? Because I've spent a lot of time with her. We're empty nesters. Our youngest child is 30. Our oldest will turn 40 next month. And I have a daughter. She lives in North Carolina, works at a Christian camp. We have a daughter who's 38 who's now been a missionary in Thailand for 12 years and a son who's 30. who's actually moving to Southern California about three hours away from us tomorrow. And I know things about them because I spent time with them. I know what they're interested in, what matters to them. The motivation that I may know him. We are to be made conformable to his image. You want to read a great book sometime? It's written by Berg, B-E-R-G, like iceberg. It's called Change into His Image. It's absolutely powerful. Are we becoming more like Jesus? Oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer. Oh, to be like thee, pure as thou art. Not often enough. By the way, Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. How many times did you reach your pocket so you could take out a track and say, hey, here's some good news. I'll tell you how to know for sure you're on your way to heaven. I went to Walmart today to buy some postcards for my Sunday school class. I've already written them all once. We've got about 100 in our class. 
went and bought some more. They were only 27 cents a piece, good price. I was all the way to the front door. I turned around and walked back. My wife said, where are you going? I said, I didn't give the guy a track. I talked to him for two or three minutes. He'd grown up in the Bay Area, California. It was friendly to him. But I didn't tell him the most important thing I could tell him. I went back and I gave him that same track. Not this one, but one just like it. I said, this will tell you how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. The Apostle Paul wanted everybody to know about Jesus. He had a purpose in his life that I may know him. We must choose to be purpose-centered and not self-centered. I have a problem in my life. It's easy to be self-centered. We like things the way we like things. That's how I like it. But how about saying, Lord, how do you like it? Lord, what do you want me to do today? So we see, first of all, in this passage, the motivation Paul wanted to know Christ, and he wanted to be like him. Oh, to be like the blessed Redeemer. Oh, to be like the pure as thou art. Whew. One of the greatest preachers of the previous generation was a man named R.G. Lee. He preached a sermon called Payday Someday 3,000 times. That one sermon, Pastor Gilstrap, had over one million people trust Christ during that sermon. He came to a college where I was serving over 30 years ago. Oh, my, over 35 years ago. And I was to host him, take him to lunch and show him around. And someone else had him in the morning. The man who had him in the morning was our visitation, was really our visitation director of the hospitals. He would preach the funerals and he would visit people in the hospitals in a very, very large church that ran over 15,000 people Sunday. Just a, never preached a sermon, never heard him preach a sermon. And when I changed after chapel and went to take Dr. Lee. I said, Dr. Lee, I said, was Brother Colston good to you? And Dr. R.G. Lee, the pastor of the Bellevue Baptist Church, where Adrian Rogers later pastored, said, sir, with this Tennessee accent, that man reminds me of Jesus. I'll never forget that. That man died last year. I called to tell his pastor, and I called his wife. She was still in the yellow page, white pages. And I said, I'm going to tell you something that someone said about your husband to make people think about Jesus. That's convicted me for decades. What do we make our neighbors think about? They say those people are a little strange, but they really care about us. They go to church all the time, but they really care about us. Do your neighbors know who your Jesus is? Do your coworkers know who your Jesus is? Your barber, your grocer, the man who runs the gas station? Because everybody ought to know who Jesus is. So we see, first of all, with the Apostle Paul here, the motivation that I may know. Secondly, we see the evaluation of a purpose life. Look what it says in Philippians 3.12. This is powerful. Not as though I had already attained... Can I tell you a phrase I hate? I've been a college professor for 44 years, two years longer than I've been married. I hate the phrase, good enough. Eh, good enough. No, the Bible says this is Psalm 16, verse 3, and to the excellent who is all my delight. Every time I've come to this church, Pastor, it's been neat, it's been cleaned, the chairs are orderly, 
the bathroom was spotless, that honors God. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. All to the glory of God. Paul said, not as I've already attained. Paul was, I'll put it this way, he was satisfied with his salvation, but not with himself. Satisfied with his salvation, but not with himself. I think we need to think about that. Satan's lie is, you're fine. You're good enough. You've served long enough, let somebody else do it now. And by the way, if you are retired tonight, can I just say this? It's great if you can retire from your occupation. But nowhere do I see that we retire from our avocation, which is to serve God. Ladies and gentlemen, God did not save us to sit. He saved us to serve. Like the Lord Jesus Christ. For the Bible says, For the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. Came not to be ministered unto. We like to be served. Have you ever been to a really, really fancy restaurant where they just dote on your hand and foot? I don't go there on my own. I have a rich friend who's a plastic surgeon who's never been married. He's got muscular dystrophy. He can't walk. I have to go pick him up, put him in my truck, take him out, put him in a wheelchair if we go somebody. But he's taking me to some really good restaurants. He took me to Wolfgang Puck's The Cut Steakhouse at the Beverly Hills Hotel. I'll just tell you this. We had no salads. We shared a five-ounce filet and three six-ounce New York strips. We had garlic mashed potato, cream spinach, and we split one dessert, and the bill was $450. I did not pay. <laughs> I have never been back. Can I just tell you this, Pastor? We had two men did nothing but wait on our table. You talk about service. I've never asked you, I said, how much did you tip them? He said, 30%. I've never tipped anyone 30% of my life unless it was on accident. <laughs> right? But if my tea, and I like iced tea, if my tea was half down, it was refilled. Every time I'd finish something and put my fork down, clean fork. It was unbelievable. By the way, God wants us to serve like that. If we served unsaved friends like that, do you think that might make a difference in their life? I think it might. So, not as though I had already attained. Thirdly, the dedication of a purpose life. Brother Gilstrap and Tressa have been married for 12 years, I believe. Is that correct? Been faithful to each other, been faithful to the Lord, served in evangelism, been here, I think, four years now. I'm proud of him. I'm especially proud of him this time because I've been with some other people he's helped who are older than him. I liked them all along. They're very likable people. But can I say this? What I want them to do is just keep going till either the trumpet sounds or the Lord calls you home. Keep on keeping on. Don't quit. Don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. Just keep on keeping on. The dedication, he said, but this one thing I do is found in verse 13. What was the one thing he was doing? To please him and to serve him. It wasn't about Paul's life, it was about Jesus. It was all about Jesus. I would not choose to live in Lancaster. Quite honestly, I wouldn't choose to live in California. 
I preached three weeks last year in Texas. Gas was $2 a gallon cheaper. Republicans everywhere. <laughs> Patriotic. Houses. My assistant moved to Texas. He's like 30. He bought a brand new house, never lived in before, 2,000 square feet. I don't sure if it's three or four bedrooms, two and a half baths. He bought it for $279,000. You can't get a dog house for that in California. But you know what? God's will settles everything. God's called me to Lancaster. It took me a while to get there. Pastor Chapel tried to get me to come for two years, and I used to ride motorcycles out there. I thought, man, it's hot, it's dusty, and it's windy. And it is. But it's been the happiest 22 years of ministry I've had because happiness is finding God's will and doing it. And we are there till God moves us, which I hope will be to heaven. Do you see, you like California? Are you, have you ever heard of Gavin Newsom? Do you know who his aunt is? Anybody know who Gavin Newsom's aunt is? It's Nancy Pelosi. That's the rotten apple not falling far from the rotten tree. We were fined 13 weeks in a row for opening our church. We kept opening it. It's a liberal state. But it's also true, the darker the night, the brighter the light. I think we had 160 adults saved Easter weekend. We gave out 80,000 invitations. And hundreds of new first-time visitors came. God's still working. You say, well, some people are moving out of California. Some, we lost 72 families. That all left the state of California. They went to Idaho or Texas. God replaced them all. Just keep on keeping on. So we see that dedication is one thing I do. James says a double-minded man is unstable. We need to evaluate what holds us back and think about that which should propel us forward. You see, friends, in the day in which we live, God wants us to do two things. He wants us to occupy till he comes and redeem the time. Occupy, redeem, occupy, redeem. The young people sometimes get to do some things. I don't always go with them. They went to see, last Christmas, see the NASA headquarters in Houston. I did. I was writing postcards and contacting people. They wanted to hike with Brother Pastor the other day. I think I wrote... I don't know, 27 cards and letters and get well cards. And I, I realize it's different for me. I feel I'm being paid to work 40 hours a week, and uh, I'll take some time off after we finish tour with some time with my wife. But can I just say this? Do you have a purpose to please God? 1 Corinthians 10.31, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Paul said, this one thing I do. Number four, we see the determination of purpose life. I'll be done in less than five minutes. What was his determination? He said, I press toward the mark. Paul used some sporting analogies. This is like a runner stretching out to reach the tape, pressing toward the mark. By the way, keep pushing till the race is over. Paul said, I finished my course of joy. I repeat again, God did not save us to sit. He saved us to serve. I want to serve him more as we see the day approaching. I don't know how long we're going to have. but It's closer now than ever before. Determination, I press toward the mark. What is the mark? For the prize, the high calling. 
The word press means relentlessly pursue. Are you pursuing God's will and God's call in your life? I don't know what it is for you. It's different for every person here. But are you pursuing that? Are you pursuing it? Why do I take time to write books and study school curriculum? Because I'm trying to pursue the will of God. If God gives me that ability and I don't use it, I don't think the Lord would be happy with me if I bury a talent I have. Those things that go out be used in other places. I don't know what God could use you to do. I think this dear gentleman with a walker back here, God could use you to email missionaries and say you prayed for him. You can't go out and knock on 100 doors. I understand that. But everybody can do something. Everybody. Say, I don't know what I could do. Talk to pastor. He'll help you. Then finally, the liberation of the purpose of life. What do you mean the liberation? Forgetting those things which are past and looking forward to those things before. I said to Tressa just a minute, we were talking about something we both know well. I said, tell that person today is the first day of the rest of his Christian life. It's not over. Today is the first day of the rest of his life. We've all made mistakes. We've all been defeated. But the Bible says a just man falls seven times and riseth yet again. Let's get up and get going. Let's not stay down. I like to walk. I like to do elliptical. I don't know how many thousands of miles I've walked and how many hours I've spent on ellipticals, but I'm used to walking. <laughs> this summer down near Portland, I was out soul winning with my wife. We'd seen a couple people get saved. It was wonderful. And I turned to her pastor. I said, we're doing this in 66 and 68. I said, I hope we can do this. We're 76 and 78. Two doors later, I tripped and fell down. Face first of blacktop. I broke my glasses, tore my pants, cut knuckles here, here, and somehow did that and here. I don't, I don't know how I did that. I went here and rolled it over. Big road rashes, just a real rough, old, like 50 or 60-year-old blacktop driveway. Huge road rash here with scabs all the way down to here. Glasses were $350 replaced. These pants I'm wearing today for the first time because I had to go buy some new ones at Dillard's. And my, I got a bruise right here. It looked like a big birthmark. This is purple from hitting, just hitting the blacktop face first. I did get up. I said, maybe not when we're 76 to 78. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then to beat it all, we went to a Chinese restaurant in Pillow, Oregon. I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't think I've read a fortune cookie in 15 years. I just don't read them. I said, I've got to read the fortune cookie. I opened it up. It said, you will have a very comfortable old age. I said, liar, liar, pants on fire, right? You know. But you know what? That's not going to stop me from going out and knocking on more doors and telling more people about Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. The King of Kings is He. Paul said, forgetting those things that are past, looking forward to those things that are before. I hope you remember the motivation that we should know Him. The evaluation, not as though I had already attained. I battle that. Oh, I've done this. I've done that. I've had the privilege of preaching over a thousand churches in 48 states. Forget those things in your past. What can we do today? I prayed today about the service here tonight. I want to be a blessing to my friends, but I also want to be a help to you. The evaluation, we're not there yet, and we won't be there till we get to heaven. 
the dedication, that's one thing I do, the determination, press toward the mark, and the liberation. Forget the mistakes, the problems, whatever, and just keep on keeping on. Let's pray tonight. Being here this Friday night. And Lord, I